Football on the Sports Social Podcast Network is brought to you by BetVictor, where those who think outside the box can create unique football bets from a combination of markets. Create your best bet with the innovative BetVictor Bet Builder. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Hi, guys. It's Trevor Chalaba here, and you're listening to the Blue Day Podcast. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. Yes, folks, this is the new and improved Blue Day podcast. And for Chelsea fans everywhere, every day is a Blue Day. I am your host, Keith Lawrence, and let me welcome to you one of our new co-hosts. He is the current Chelsea captain of the amputee team, a regular at Stamford Bridge, and an all-round good guy, Mark Smith. Mark, welcome back on the show. Nice to have you with us again. How have you been? Oh mate, thank you for thank you for inviting me back on. It's it's got to be a good sign when someone asks you to come back again. So yeah, that's that's a that's a that's a nice thing. But yeah, yeah, really good. Thank you, mate. Yeah, well, like like you said, obviously just off air. It's uh, it's been um, a bit of a roller coaster week, but yeah, no, like I said, never about, a dull it's, been day. A, it's been a quiet week for Chelsea. There's been no <laughs> news at all. It's just been everybody else been discussing things. Um, <laughs> It has been a bit of a weird week, a bit of a turbulent week for a lot of people. We're going to go through it each bit, sort of from order, really. And it was quite amazing, the reaction, the response that people were getting on Sunday. Obviously, the the terrible result on Saturday, which I had to witness for 90 plus minutes, which was not great. The best part about it was the actual food before the game, which was good. I'll talk about that <laughs> probably in a later show. But... Um, Eight o'clock Sunday night, I was just about to watch some Italian football and then I get a message from a friend of mine to say, Potter's been sacked. I'm like, what? Go on Sky Sports News and it's all on there. And then phones pinging going, my God, it's finally happened. It's finally happened. And then the whole Sunday evening was pretty much ruined, actually, because I was on my phone for the next two to three hours talking to people and finding out information, talking to people who follow the show. And it went up to Monday morning and it just got to a stage where you knew it had to happen, but it was the shock with the timing. Yeah. And I remember, I, I, I think I was, you was one of many that I texted on that Sunday mark to say, he's gone, he's finally gone. What was your thoughts on, on it? You know, because I know that you, um, you did go to the game on Saturday, didn't you? And so obviously yeah. you saw the same crap that I did for the 90 plus minutes and the the hostility the bad atmosphere that turned basically after that result and a lot of few fans were chanting to Potter you don't know what you're doing and 
what was your thoughts on the whole weekend, Steve, Mark, before we start discussing the interim appointment and potential new um, options as the head coach? Um, Obviously, like every time you go down there, there's that, whether it's sort of blindly believing it or not, there's that optimism, there's that, you know, you come out of Fulham Broadway Station and there's that, there's still that buzz there. And But then we got into the ground um, and then you hear the starting lineup and you had mm-hmm. Loftus Cheek at right wing back, uh, Reese James at centre back, Cucurella at centre back. And then you've got Badia Shill, who's been one of our best signings yeah. on the bench. Yeah. Chalabar, uh, when you're going up against someone like Ollie Watkins, Chalabar's a, a big physical centre back, can hold himself well, good in the air. And you think those two are much better equipped to deal with Ollie Watkins, his sort of physicality and his presence in the air. You got the best right wing back in the world at centre back, and then you got a centre midfielder that can't or won't cross a ball. Uh, and it was a game where Loftus Cheek had so much of the ball down that right hand side. And it was I, I went with my wife on that Saturday, and it's like all those all those times, I guarantee James whips that ball in. And then the knock on effect from that is Havertz, to his credit, is good in the air and. If you put seven, eight crosses in a box, he's going to get on the end of two or three of them with his head. But there's that stop start when you're when you're in that sort of transition and you're you're attacking. And as an attacker, you're like, well, do I go now? Do I go now? And where Loftus Cheek just fanned about with it for so long, the moment's gone. The moment's gone. Aston Villa are back. They're organised. So the starting lineup, obviously got the game off to a bit of a weird atmosphere and it just felt the the crowd it was it was really flat like just and as soon as that goal went in obviously you know the mistake from Cucurella of all players um yeah. it just it was just toxic from there on in and then obviously hearing the Villa fans singing you're getting sacked in the morning and then you hear the Matthew Arden stand joining in with it it's I I said to my wife there and then like uh you know if Burley ignores this, like, what are they doing? Because there's, you know, they say they're going to listen to the fans, and it's like, how, how much longer are they going to sort of just carry this on? Like, where, where do you get? Because you realised on Saturday, obviously March sort of papered over the cracks a little bit, but it's like he's not going to turn it around. Um, and I think it was a case of put him out of his misery, put the fans out of their misery. <laughs> yeah. It just, it, it wasn't working for anyone. And it just no. seemed like they were like delaying the inevitable, really. But that Villa game was a really just bad atmosphere. Um, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't an enjoyable experience that day. It wasn't just the result, though. It was more the performance, I thought. I mean, there was patches that we were playing tidy football. There was patches where... You know, there were some nice one-two touch passes. I was sitting up in the Westview and the, you know, chap that I was sitting next to, um, I, we were talking about Jao Felix. I said, Jao Felix is too good for us. Yeah. His footwork was outstanding. His mobility, he was easily going past players. What you've got behind him, the quality is so much different. And yeah. 
if we're not careful, I think Felix will probably stay in the Premier League, but not with us, with the way things could be happening. I f- he's, a, he's a phenomenal player. But yeah. in terms of the Loftus-Cheek James situation, as I was driving home uh, on Saturday night, I got a text off a friend of mine who is... no. One of my many contacts within Chelsea and within sort of like the sort of within the inner circle. And he did actually say to me at half time, how's James playing? Because he was surprised James was starting. Yeah. And I said to him, James is not the same Reese James that we, we admire. He said, has he ran at all on, in the game? I said, no. He said, that's why he's playing right centre back. He wasn't fit. Yeah, I I don't think when we he, were at the he, he was game, not fit and he was not fit enough to run down the wing, whether ball to his feet or whether to be a provider of the cross. He was there basically because Potter knew if he had him on the bench along with Kante and Mount, there'd be more questions that would be asked. I was surprised Kante didn't start either, considering yeah. the fact that. He was on the bench against Everton. Why he didn't put him on against Everton, I do not know. Bearing in mind, we were 2-1 up. You want to keep things a little bit tight, put a World Cup winner on, put a little yeah. bit of the momentum on our side, get the bit of the atmosphere going. He didn't do that. He left him on the bench. He left Mount on the bench. And even uh, on Saturday, Villa scored their second goal. What happens? Immediately puts Kante on. Yeah. You know, was he going to put Kante on if Villa didn't score? That would be interesting. But for me, I I was told by a, a good source of mine that James was not fit. And there it was a reason why James me. was not part of the England squad. He was obviously, he withdrew for international duty. And there was even talk amongst certain big quarters that James didn't train much that week either. So yeah. it, it was a risk. Loftus cheek playing right wing back. I didn't have an issue with as such from a positional standpoint. I thought he was okay, but he couldn't cross the road, let alone cross a ball. Attacking wise, <laughs> yeah. he was yeah. he, he he struggled. And yeah. this is the problem with Ruben, and I like him. I've been a fan of his since his days in the Academy. We still don't know his best position, and he's nearly twenty eight. We still don't know whether he he's certainly not a ten because he's not mobile enough. He's not a. I say he's an eight. He's not a six. He's not like yeah. a defensive type midfielder. For me, he's an eight, but he's never played there. Yeah. And there was some sort of feedback that I was receiving from Chelsea supporters and others that you hear on Talksport and others saying that Potter was perhaps too nice and trying to appease everybody and trying to get players to play. Well, for me, that was a load of rubbish because of. Trevor Chalabar, he signs a new deal in December and he starts one game from that. Yeah. And he hasn't put a foot wrong. Batishil was outstanding when I saw him against Crystal Palace for his debut. He hasn't put a foot wrong. He doesn't play. Why? Yeah. And I just felt that, you know, you mentioned it. His selections were balmy. He select, well, pardon the pun, his selections were potty. Yeah, <laughs> really, yeah. really bad. And yeah, I just want to sort of put it across as well in regards to Kai Havertz. I'm a fan of Kai Havertz. He's going to be one of those players that I guarantee you, if we if we was to sell him in the summer, 
he would score 20, 30 goals because he'd be playing in his best position. He's ne- he's yeah. not a striker. He's never been a striker. He's a 10 all day long, twice on Sunday. Unfortunately, we don't play a system that occupies a 10. But yeah. even with Graham's decision to put Mudrick as a striker, that I thought was just was just nuts when you're going up against a 38, 39-year-old right back in Ashley Young and you put someone who's going to be quicker than him in a different position. I just found yeah. it I just found I just found it laughable. He just really found it laughable and he, he looked on the touchline a dead man walking. He really did. He just looked he he wanted to get out of there. I I think so. I I think yeah, a lot of those decisions he was leaving the board with no decision with no choice but to sack him. It's almost like I've got to get out of here. Um and yeah, <laughs> obviously had he played a good 11 in their positions and you lose the game, you know, you, there's different sort of questions to answer. But when you play four or five players out of position, when you've got a 31-man squad, <laughs> like, and you've got, he even said in his press conference, the only one that wasn't fully fit was Edward Mendy. So you've got 30 to choose from, but you're playing all these players out of position. Um yeah, it's just—it's almost like he's saying, like, just please, like, cut me loose. Um, but yeah, obviously now. And the yeah, volume it, of the booze, at even half time. Yeah. After I was surprised there was booze at half time, but full time with the ones that stayed there because there was many people that left yeah. by the time it, even the second goal came in. So you're like half hour to go, people are leaving. And yeah. even in the 80th minute, Matthew Matthew Harding upper looked. Completely empty. Even the shed lower, where I, you know, near, near where I was looking at, looked empty. You know, the booze at full time, I thought, told a huge story. And you don't normally get booze at Stamford Bridge. Not that. Yeah. Not. Yeah. Not that much. I, I think the thing is, like, Potter's got this obviously reputation that he had at, at Brighton, Swansea, Ostersons of the process, his mm. methods and all of this. And well, obviously I'd, I was having a discussion with another Chelsea fan about it the other day. That's all well and good. Like you'll give a manager time to get their ideas across if there's glimpses of it. And I think as a coach, if you're you're spending all that time on the training ground with those players, you want to be able to go, do you know what? Actually in that seven months to his credit, um, Fernandez has sort of improved on this or Kovacic has him, and it's like every player sort of stagnated or got worse yes. um, and I think that's the thing is like if these are his methods that he's trying to get across they're going backwards um, you know not just the league position but every individual sort of every sort of individual's performance had dropped off massively um. Yeah, and you just look and you think, you know, you some people are saying give him pre-season to get his ideas across and all this, and you're like, and what if, what if it, what if, it, what if he doesn't? And you know, obviously, if there's no European football next season, and then you've got someone like Potter at the helm, who do you, 
everyone knows there's a number nine that needs to come in. Who do you, who can you attract? <laughs> like mm. it just it was gonna just spiral, and I think it was just delaying. People were saying giving the first ten games the next season. It's like you know, and then what if you're in the bottom three come like the end of October next season? Like then what? Like um, whereas I, yeah, I feel like what they've done now is. Uh, Lampard's got a point to prove, obviously. You know, he feels he should have taken that ch- team to the Champions League final himself. So he's got an opportunity now. Um, you know, he's also putting himself in the shop window for a, another job further down the line. There's a little bit of pride in the shirt, a bit of passion, going to come back into that changing room with the likes of Ashley Cole as well. And um, yeah, I think it's going to give the crowd a big lift. Obviously, that first home game against Brighton. Um, yeah, everything's just going to feel like a fresh start. Hmm. So when it came to the Liverpool game of with the timings and everything, they had Bruno Salter in charge, who was one of Potter's assistants. And I found that baffling, whereby there was a few of the Brighton guys that stayed, but Potter was still being conversed by some of the coaching staff about selections and about you know training which I found baffling normally when a manager's sacked he's gone there's no contact with him whatsoever but Bruno announced it at these press conference before the Liverpool game that Potter's sort of been part of the process pardon the pun in terms of sorting out from coaching staff being charged of the Liverpool game he looked fish out of water he, you know, I thought we needed, to, we couldn't have Bruno for the rest of the season, even no, with no. his, even with his pre-match press conference. He just looked out of place. He seemed like a nice guy. Not, not got no bad comments to say about him. But I think, he, I think he was pleased not to get the job <laughs> yeah. between now and the end of the season because I think he just probably, if he had hair, it just would have completely come off his head. <laughs> but. I've watched a little bit. I did watch the game against Chelsea Liverpool. I didn't enjoy it. Both sides lacking confidence. Both sides lacking a killer instinct. That's probably the worst Liverpool side I've seen for a long, long time. And we should have taken our chances. Again, to sum it up, we, we should have taken our chances. You know, Havertz was unlucky. Quite a few of them, again, just not. They're not playing with a lot of freedom, not playing with a lot of confidence. And then I was watching it on Sky, and then all of a sudden they kept showing Frank Lampard in the director's box, in, in, in the nice seats. Yeah. And I'm thinking, hmm, he hasn't been to a game since he was sacked. There must be a reason. And then, lo and behold, we find out 24 hours later, he was in advanced talks. Mark, I actually got a, a text from the same uh chap who told me about the Reese James thing to say Lampard wasn't there just to watch the football. He said he was there for a reason. I said, what's that? And he went, you'll find out soon enough. So I went, okay. And lo and behold, there was rumours that Frank was there because he was invited by the owners. And that was true. That was correct. And then lo- again, find out Wednesday night, he's in advance talks to take the job on an interim basis. There was a lot of negative feedback and I'm not going to mention 
the feedback on Twitter because sometimes Twitter can be its own worst enemy. But there was a lot of in, uh, negative feedback on the likes of Talk Sport and few Chelsea fans that I know about. Oh, it's a bad move. Lampard's a great was a great player, but he's a poor manager. We're going backwards. Why are we doing? Why are we going with Lampard? I saw Lampard's press conference before the Wolves, obviously for the upcoming game against Wolves. His demeanour, the way he spoke about his plans, he spoke about the team. I just got, I just got a chill down the back of my neck, thinking, yeah, this guy's, you know, he's he's still got it. You know, I, I'm I'm now excited with what's going to happen now. He's got experience of working with young players. He's brought in Mason. He's brought in James. He's going to love working with the likes of Mudrick, Batashil, Chalabar, who's three years older than what he was when Lampard was there. James is now older. He's now an established player. Frank, I think, is going to absolutely enjoy this. I'm one of those who think that this is a, a, a win-win for everybody. It's a win-win for Frank. It's a yeah. win-win for us. It's a win-win for the fans. And so what if Todd has done this appointment to appease the fans? That's what he needs to do. Because at yeah. the moment, a lot of people was criticising Potter. A lot of people were saying he's not good enough. Todd's the one who wanted him. It's, yeah. down, it's, it's down to Todd Bowley. He, and there's reasons, obviously, why Tuchel was sacked. Bowley, if he wanted to make a statement of intent, he wanted to make a, a management signing that could propel Chelsea forward. You don't go with somebody who's got a long-term plan. You go with someone who's got an elite plan. Mm. Someone like a Zidane, someone like an Enrique, that type of manager. Frank comes in short-term. He's got 10 games. He's got 10 games in, as you, you rightfully put. It's for his own benefit because there's going to be a lot of Premier League jobs coming up in the summer. Yeah. I think it's a perfect time for him. If he's unbeaten in 10 games and gets us into the semi-finals of the Champions League, he's done his job, hasn't he? Surely. I think one of the interesting things I heard on the radio yesterday, though, was what if he wins every single game and Chelsea win the Champions League? Like, then what? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, does he... Up then go, well, we've got to give him the job now, or does he sail off into the sunset as an immortal? And if it was me, I would do the latter. I, I, I wouldn't offer him a contract. Yeah. I would say, right, thank you so much for your interim time. You've won us the Champions League because at the end, the, what we know about Chelsea Football Club, it all ends in tears. Whatever happens, <laughs> it is going to end in tears. At least with this appointment till the end of the season he's got the final game against Newcastle at home which is the last day of the season he can have his fight he can have his final lap of honor which he should have had as a player but he didn't he didn't have as a manager he's going to have that opportunity to say goodbye properly to the fans against Newcastle if he wins us the Champions League thank you so much but no we need to go in another direction because if we give him a four-year deal Six months time, it the the shit might hit the fan, yeah. and then and then what? Fans oh, turn yeah. on Lampard, the players turn on Lampard, and then you know Lampard's career's in 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 the mire. 
Yeah. He might not never get a Premier League job, depending. Look what happened to Di Matteo. Yeah, that's, that, I think that's a perfect example. Obviously, Di Matteo won the Champions League, you know, was already like a club legend and then stayed beyond that. And it, it like you said, it all ended in tears. Yeah. But, and he's not really been involved in management since. Um, no. And, but, I, and I don't want that to happen to Frank. I don't want it to be a case yeah. where... And even certain people now still got gripes about him. But it, Jose, with his second spell in charge, when that was turning sour, fans were against him. And then obviously since then, certain fans don't like him for whatever reason. I don't want that to happen with Frank. Frank's got a yeah. legacy at the club that should be preserved. He's our all-time top goal scorer. One day that could be, you know, that that, that, that could be reached. But for right now, listen, even if he gets us seventh, if he gets a seventh and he gets a semi-finals or even to the final and we lose, he's done more than what we could have asked for two months ago. Yeah. Or back in December, back in back in Christmas. Yeah, yeah. I I I, I think it's good. I think there was I think the thing that's evident in the team where it's a young team and there's no especially with Thiago Silva being out at the minute the lack of leadership on the pitch yeah. and then you look to the bench and there's a lack of leadership even more so off of it or there was and I think your Ashley Coles, your John Terry's, your Frank Lampard's coming in for a couple of months who've all won a Champions League, who've all got you know legendary status within the club. You've got young players there who are all going to look up to them. You know, I guarantee that that first day, you know, say say John Terry comes back and you're a young baddie of shield and you're looking across and John Terry's giving you advice. Like, you're going to soak that up. Um, and I just don't feel like anyone in Potter's coaching staff had that uh, presence to be able to really, you know, you, players that you idolise and look up to and you want to learn from. I don't think his staff had anyone like that. Hmm. And I think if, if nothing else, Lampard bringing those in with him they'll hang off his every word. Like, you know, ones like Mudrick, they'll be like, right, what can I learn? Like, oh. teach me. Like, oh. um, and they'll that's be like, like a sponge. They will just yeah. soak it up every day. And yeah. even as you say, Ashley Cole's number two. What better defender, whether it's left back or centre back, can you learn from yeah. over the last 15, 20 years if you're a young player? So even if you're a Chalabar, I'm not being funny. Cucurella's not old. He's still a young yeah. player. So even Cucurella can learn a whole host of things off yeah. of Ashley Cole. It is, it is it is an intriguing appointment. I don't think it's a backward step because Chelsea were quite low. They, they can't go any lower. They can only go up. So this yeah. appointment for me would give the fans a huge lift. And I think Todd, in his American way, probably sees this as this could be the fairy tale ending. This could be part, you know, the American fairy tale, whereby a legend returns, does the business, and everything is fine. And I think from from what I've read, they genuinely believe that they've got the squad to win the Champions League, like obviously Burley and Begdali 
from from what I've read, they they believe that this this squad can go and win the Champions League. So obviously they haven't given up on that themselves, um, and I, I think they realise that obviously someone like a Lampard, who's won a Champions League, yeah. you know, you put the two together, it pleases the fans. Obviously the fans are starting to sort of question Burley and outside of the club as well, and rightfully you, so, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and you, yeah. you talk sports and stuff. They they've had nothing but negatives. Um, whereas this, this, like you said, could be the turning point. And um, I mean, the, the the names that are linked in for me personally, I I was saying the other day, like for I I hope it's not Zidane because I think Zidane's one of those where you could have coached Real Madrid to a couple of those Champions Leagues. Like, you just had to put an 11 on the board and say, go and, go and work your magic. Um, obviously, he was a fantastic player, but I think if you put him in at a Bournemouth, is he a great coach? I'm, I'm not mm. I'm not sure Zidane would be. He's obviously got a habit of falling out with players as a player and as a manager. And I think he would probably, out of the names that are linked... He's the one I sort of least want to see there because I, I think he just happened to inherit a fantastic Real Madrid team. I'm not sure he's a fantastic coach, um, so I think he would be the riskiest one going forward. Interesting. I know there's a number of options available, and there was something on Sky Sports earlier today. They were talking about Carlo Ancelotti. They said apparently he's not one of the candidates potentially for the role, but there there are a few, some old names as well that have been in the Chelsea dugout before, but you've got the likes of Julian Nagelsmann, Luis Enrique, Jose Mourinho, one final yeah. dance, Antonio Conte, we've obviously discussed Carlo Ancelotti. Um, some, some very interesting names. You've got Mauricio Pochettino as well. I can see both sides to all candidates. I can see why some people yeah. like them. I can see why people don't. I think Enrique intrigues me more than Nagelsmann because Enrique's had that experience at Barca to the point where he's managed some big personalities. He knows how to deal with big personalities and he's come off on top. Nagelsmann has dealt with big personalities and, and has come out second best, which is why he's out of job at Bayern. But Nagelsmann, I think, probably be more intriguing to the Chelsea board because a lot of them know him from the RB Leipzig days and yeah. it suits the model similar to an RB Leipzig, similar to a Brighton, whereby you've got a young, youngish coach with youngish players and then you mould them together. So I think it's basically Nagelsmann's a, a European upgrade to a Potter. Yeah, yeah. And then you look at somebody, some old... Uh, some old favourites of ours like Antonio Conte could the stain of him being with them North London lot perhaps be too much for Chelsea fans potentially maybe but he's certainly a winner no, yeah. there's, there's no doubt about that but the one thing that I do speak to Tottenham fans about because a lot of them were not fans of Conte and I'm a huge I'm a huge of Myro Conte and I was my response was to them in terms of how he was managing at Tottenham, you can't make chicken salad out of chicken shit. 
Yeah. And he had a lot of crap at Tottenham. And you can't mould a successful team at that club when you've got deadbeats there. When you've got players that are not good enough to win your trophies. That's That's been the Spurs way. Speaking of Spurs, you then got Pochettino, who I think, well, again, would suit Chelsea's model of a youngish coach working with youngish players. He's got experience of working with youngish players, the likes of Harry Kane, etc. He could possibly fit the mould at Chelsea. I don't think Chelsea fans would be very happy to have him there because of his connections with Tottenham. And again, I know he had a stint with PSG, but what has he done to the point to get him the Chelsea job? Yeah. What has he done? Into All right, he's worked with Neymar for a year. He's worked with Messi for a year. But he didn't cut the mustard there. And then you've got the old favourite in Jose. Third time's a charm. Could he perhaps ride off to the sunset being a winner this time rather than being sacked? That one intrigues me the most because... Roma, I, I think, is a, is a big club in Italy, huge club. They haven't got the finances that we have. He's still got his family home in London. His family still lives in London. And I just feel that he will have that sparkle back if he's in that dugout one last period. Perhaps, you know, listen, it will be turbulent. He will fall out with people. We know that. He has fallen out with people everywhere he's gone. But it's Jose. Yeah, he's a winner. He he is you know he won the Europa League with Roma. He can get a team that is you know not great on finances, not great on ability, and he can make them into winners. Apart from his stints at Tottenham, but we we're happy about that. Yeah, <laughs> we are happy about that. <laughs> the romantic side of me feels Jose for one last time, but my my head in terms of who I think should be the manager, I I'm going to put my hat on Enrique. What do you think, Mark? Spot on, mate. Like I, I'm definitely swaying more towards Luis Enrique. Um, he's won the Champions League. He's he's managed big players at Barcelona. It was almost the same old story with Spain in the World Cup of beautiful build-up play, no end product. Um, almost like where Chelsea are now. Um, again, like the arguments for other managers, Pochettino, I think, would suit what Chelsea are building now, a young squad, yeah. trying to play exciting sort of football. But he's Tottenham. So I, <laughs> I, know, we've had, I know we've had managers go the other way. Um, but yeah, I, I think he would have to hit the ground running to be accepted. Um, I don't think there'll be any leeway given with him just because of his background, but I do think he would improve those young players individually and collectively. Um, but yeah, I'm with you sort of for sentimental reasons. I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd quite like to see Mourinho again. But he he had a he had a habit of obviously buying twenty five, twenty six, twenty seven year olds the the ready made yeah. player, and maybe the squad's too young for him. Um, I don't know if it's 
but, but that then, might be what Chelsea need because if we've got a lot of young players, they need a few experienced heads to get yeah. mould them, yeah. make them into a good team. And again, I'm trying to play devil's advocate here with Jose, but he did bring, although they were winners and they were top quality players, in his first stint at Chelsea, he brought in young players. Ferreira yes. weren't, you know, 27, 28 years old when he when he signed yeah. for Chelsea. Yeah. Cavalio was 23, 24. Drogba, 24. Yeah. We're talking of, of, of the first season. So, I again, people say Mourinho's backwards. He's a dinosaur. No, <laughs> I'm sorry. He's, he's I'm, I'm not buying it. I yeah. am not buying it. I can, for me, he will probably fall out with Todd. Mm. Todd seems like the sort of guy that's going to ruffle up a few feathers. Not his fault, might be his way. But if you just let the manager get on with it, do his job, you will get the best out of managers like Mourinho, like a Conte, like a Zidane in terms of you know what what he's sort of done for football. But yeah, the nos- Part of the nostalgia in me thinks Mourinho won last time. Even if it gets us one Premier League trophy, it's one more than Tottenham. And it's one more yeah. than, hopefully, Arsenal, because Arsenal haven't won the league yet. So yeah. we, we shall see. But it'll, it'll be interesting. My goodness, 15th of April is going to be, it's going to be hopefully a carnival atmosphere. I'm hoping. Yeah. I'm hoping there's not going to be many people that's going to go, oh, it's Frank. Oh, he's only here for 10 games. Learn your history. You know, this is a guy who's, you know, sweat, blood and tears for this football club. And he's our greatest ever goal scorer. That's got to count for something, surely. And I think that that's a positively infectious sort of persona for him to have on the players in the changing room of he's been there, he's won it all, he's done it. He loves the club. And you just need a little bit, a little sort of sprinkle of that to rub off on these players. To, and I just felt like, like this is this is Chelsea. Like it's it's a it's a different club. You know, everyone that's played for them says there's something about, you know, once you've played for Chelsea, like that that's your club. Whereas I I don't know, like I just felt sort of being critical of of Potter away from a coach. It felt like to him it was just a job rather than the Chelsea job whereas I think whereas Lampard gets that Lampard gets that it's Chelsea and yeah I'm, I'm excited I, I think and I think it's quite fitting that the first home game is against Brighton because <laughs> that's where it all started to come undone very quickly that's right yes yeah uh, yeah yeah, yeah it'll, be a, it'll be a huge game you know it'd be a shame for the neutrals to, with Lampard's first game back he's, he's not on telly he's a Saturday three o'clock, but yeah. I've I've got my ticket as soon as I heard that Lampard uh, was in his, in advanced talks. I spoke to a couple of friends of mine who had tickets available, and it was even before it was announced. I said I need a ticket for Brighton. He went, oh, we've got loads. That's fine. Spoke to the same bloke twenty four hours ago. Oh, they're all sold out now. Yeah. Again, it just tells you in terms of the atmosphere what it could be, you know, with Super Frank coming back. And what I find interesting, and this is something that I'd love to know, he's bringing some of his old uh, coaches from Everton. Yeah. Are they going to be there till the end of the season, or are they on? Are they going to be there longer? That will be interesting because I, 
I can see perhaps Frank maybe wanting to stay there till the end of the season. I can't imagine the likes of Ashley Cole, Joe Edwards and co saying, no, I'm going to be there till the end of the season too. I I can't see that. So that'll be interesting if they stay and who's the next manager that's going to come in. Are they going to inherit those coaches? Yeah. Because if they don't, it's doing more money for Bowley to spend on compensation and whatnot. But I don't think Todd's concerned with the amount of money that he's wasted because he's wasted a bloody lot of money since he's turned up at the club. I think he's definitely learning on the job. Obviously, this isn't oh, not off. This isn't America. <laughs> yeah, he's um, yeah, he's expensively learning on the job, but he's got good people around him now with like Christopher Vavell and ones like that. That now they're making the footballing decisions. Um, whereas obviously, when he brought Potter in. He didn't have any of those people around him, um, so I do think I do think the next manager is going to be the right one. Um, it's funny it though; like, to, neither... it has to be for Todd because yeah. if Todd gets this one wrong, that's where I think Nagelsmann is the biggest. Re- I um, I I don't think I I think it will be Nagelsmann because of Vivell and the links with Leipzig. Yeah, yeah. but I think that's the riskiest one. And also, as well, which probably points towards Nagelsmann, we've got Christopher and Cuckoo coming from RB Leipzig, who yeah. has excelled and became a star player under Nagelsmann when he was at Leipzig. So he knows yeah. the player quite well. As you say, it makes sense from that point. He knows Cuckoo, he knows what he's going to bring to the table. I'm just hoping that we get rid of a lot of the that we've got in that squad. It's a big squad. A lot of them are young. A lot of them, I think, have gone past their usage. You know, when I look at someone like Hakim Ziyech or Pulisic, who, just to point out, if there's anybody here that is listening to the sound of my voice that was in the Westview on Saturday and was one of those people that screamed like the Beatles were in town when Pulisic came on on Saturday, shame on you. Because that was... was, (laughs) That was embarrassing. I, I think you know what part of the world they might have come from. <sighs> we had uh, we had a few a few Americans around us um, that only really got into the game once Pulisic came on. Um, oh my god! It, uh, yeah, it was. I, I I was annoyed with the result. I was annoyed with the fact that I was thinking, "Oh God, where are we going to go from here?" And all of a sudden, he's putting Pulisic on. He hasn't turned up for nearly two years. Funny enough. He's, the last time he turned up was under Frank. He came on and there was there, there was a lot of them. They weren't just one or two. There was a lot of them. Chant, there was like President's Day. Or, <laughs> you know, it, was, it was like all these cheers that are going to be for the coronation come May. I'm like, why? It was like four or five minutes to go and he comes on and it was funny because there's a few American fans that I know that live across the pond. Even they've said he's he's a decent player, but he's not the best player for USA. He thinks he is, but yeah. the USA Chelsea supporters see it differently to the common American supporter, and that yeah. is that that I find fascinating. You know, it's a shame. I know he's had a lot of injuries. I know he's been. 
you know, somebody that's had a good game and then been on the bench for four or five games, he needs to go. Talk about a career being stagnated. He needs to leave. Yeah. Yeah, he's another one, like where I said with Potter, where you just, you knew it was inevitable, really. He's never going to turn it around. Hmm. And I think you've known by now, Pulisic is never going to suddenly become this player that everybody sort of wanted him to be or thought he could be. Hmm. It's just, it's not going to happen. Um, I'd, I'd like to see, I think, under Lampard, like the league, the league sort of gone so I'd like to see the likes of Datro Fofana given a run of games in the side. And yeah. and I think mentally, like Havertz has had a lot of sort of stick this season and some of it rightly so, but take him out the team for a little while in the Premier League, let him switch off, have a bit of a physical... Because he plays... He's one of the few players that never gets substituted. So let him have a bit of a mental and a physical rest. Save him for Real Madrid because you've got to play him in that. And let Fafana have a run of games to the end of the season. And I mean, I even thought against Liverpool, um, Aubameyang probably puts one or two of those away. For all that we're creating, because we did create a lot, I think Aubameyang, who is a nine, reads it well enough to put one or two of those away. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd, me personally, I'd like to see that trophy Fafana given a run of games in the team now. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, there's, there's got to be a reason why we signed Fafana. I do believe there is a player there. Again, it was just the wrong fit with him and Potter. Like yeah. a lot of the players, it was a wrong fit with Potter. I think under Frank, you put him in the starting lineup. His head's going to be up there. His confidence is going to be right there. And you could see the best out of him. Might be for 45 minutes, might even be for an hour you will probably get the best out of him if you put him in that starting eleven against Wolves. And again, yeah. Wolves is a huge game because Wolves need the points because they're not out of the relegation zone yet anyway. So yeah. not exactly an away banker at Salts, but what are you feeling for Wolves with the Frank bounce? I think I think if he hadn't come in, if it was, if it was Bruno for another game, like... I, th- I think Tuesday night there was that lift. The atmosphere was a lot better, but there was that lift not because it was Bruno in the dugout, just because it was Liverpool. And there's always going to be that that sort of that step up there yeah. in performance. So, whereas Wolves, you might have seen it dip off again. Whereas I think Lampard coming in, I do think they'll get a win on Saturday. Um, but mm. I. I think you'll see Mason Mount. I think you'll see Mount start. Um, now, what gives you that idea, Mark? <laughs> I sort of hope he does. Like, I think, <laughs> I think he could do with another one. He just needs, he needs an arm around him and a bit of a lift. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, obviously, this is the thing. Obviously, like I've, I've read mixed things with with Lampard over the last couple of days. But you know, you look at. I know Tammy Abraham's moved on. Tamori's moved on, but. The, the sort of the, the Reese James, um, the Mason Mounts, you know, the players like that, that to be fair, under previous Chelsea managers would never have got the opportunity. Um, and Lampard gave them that. So I think, I think you'll see big performances from them. Um, yeah. And I, and I think Mount, you'll see a different Mounts looks lost all season. Um, 
So I, I think you'll see his be- probably his best game on Saturday if he plays. I've got a bet with a friend of mine, and he was rubbing his hands together when I actually mentioned the bet. And then he didn't realise this was before Frank um, got appointed. I said, I guarantee you, Mace will sign his new deal. Yeah. And obviously with Frank coming in, I said, right, Mace, chances are Mace will sign his new deal. If Mace does well between now and the end of the season, I I, I can just see Mace signing a new deal. Frank, as you said, he needs somebody to put his arm around him and say to him, you are a good player. Show me you're a good player. How he was treated in the last few games. He was the only one. I don't know whether you were still there, Mark, or whether you, you, you left. But I was there for about a good five, ten minutes after the final whistle on Saturday. Because I didn't want to go all the way down them steps and be sort of being pushed to, yeah. to the side coming out of Westview. I stayed, let the crowds die a little bit. Mace was the only Chelsea player walked around the whole force grounds and clapped. Yeah. The only one. All the other lot just walked down the tunnel, didn't want to be there, just wanted to get the hell out of Dodge with Dead Man walking. He was the only... Bearing in mind, he didn't even have a kick of the ball. Didn't, didn't even come on. He was an unused sub. He was the yeah. only one, Mark. Now, that tells me everything about that guy. He wasn't clapping to say it goodbye because... There's ten, a. There's ten games to go. B. He hasn't actually come out and said I want to leave. His agent hasn't. His agent hasn't been spotted talking to any other clubs. It's all been social media hyped. I think with ten games or how many other games we could have with Frank at the helm. If Mace does well now between now and the end of the season, I I, I can see him signing a new deal. I really yeah. can. Yeah. Yeah, and there could be an element of that as to why they brought Lampard in because obviously there's been this sticking point over Mount's contract for the last couple of months and it's that little incentive. Like you said, you know, Lampard got the best out of him before, gave him his opportunity, gave him that belief. Um, You know, at the time when Lampard was a manager, Mount was a starter in the England squad, starter for Chelsea. Like, you know, he was, everyone was raving about him. And he's, yeah, just yeah. like you said, that last 10 games, go and, go and earn your new contract. Um, I, I I think he will. I, like you said, obviously, the they, they, you know, they want to create sort of clickbait and minutes and phone-ins and all that, don't they? Like they, mm. they'll always look for a story. But like you said, he's never come out and said, I want 300 grand a week. I want this. I want that. Like, they're all things you've just read. Like he's never actually sort of said it. And I, like you said, I think the end of that Villa game sort of highlighted that uh, he doesn't really want to go. No, of course you don't. No, people like Conor Gallagher, he don't yeah. want to go. No, and he, no. I like Conor Gallagher. I think I think he's a he's a top player. He needs to play more games because every again every time he came on for Potter, it was like the last ten minutes. He would run around like a blue-ass fly, but he would give you everything. He yeah. starts, he makes a difference in that midfield. Yeah, it's it's that. Um, again, give, give him ones like, I said about Kovacic the other day, um, the 
might have been the Leeds game. First time he had, he, he had the armband, Kovacic, and he was everywhere. And then he goes missing for four games. And then he'll have another game where he's everywhere, probably Real Madrid, and he, he covers every blade of grass and he'll go missing again. Um, and, yeah, I think there's some of the players where you could freshen them up a little I bit. I think Kovacic, is, you mentioned about Havertz earlier, about mentally yeah. needs a rest. I think Kovacic. Yeah. Yeah. And you, I you've really got do. I, like I that think that can sort of give him that rest. Yeah. yeah. And again, you could put Enzo or put Kante in the middle, put Chukwuemeke in, in midfield. Yeah. Again, he's one. He must be thinking, what on earth is going on here? He signed for Chelsea. He's left Villa. A lot of clubs are after him. He had a decent couple of uh, cameo appearances under Tuchel. He had some appearances for Potter uh, around the Christmas time. After Christmas, he hardly gets a sniff. And he's a, he's got the potential to be a very, very good player. And I'm hoping... Same with uh, Zachariah. Like, oh, yeah. Came into I, the, I really he, like him. Brilliant. And then he's been frozen. At, like We went to the Dynamo Zagreb game where he got his, he's finally got his first start, didn't he? And then he scored as well. And everyone clapped him off. Like He got a standing ovation off yeah. the pitch. Yeah. And it's like, wow, you know, we've got a player here. Yeah. Like He's only going to cost 25 million in the summer. Yeah. And he's been frozen out again. Like he came in, did well, did what was asked of him. And he's been frozen out. Yeah. Chuck Wamika, every time he's come on, Chuck Wamika is the one that I've sort of described as he's what Loftus Cheek could have been. Like yeah, he's big, yeah, powerful. Yeah. He picks the ball up and he drives with it. And um, I think he has more skill than Loftus Cheek. I think he's, yeah. he's a lot more agile. He can get past players a little bit quicker and he's got that unexpectancy about him whereby you're not sure what he's going to do. Yeah. And he's got that mobile about him whereby he can possibly play as an inside forward or as a 10. And even the lad from PSV, um, his name, his name, uh, completely lost his name. But Maduki, I think. Oh yeah, yeah, Maduki, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's outstanding. Yeah, the games I've seen him play, he runs with the ball. I haven't seen a winger all season run with the ball. They always either pass it back, pass it sideways. They don't go past a man. He does. Yeah. He yeah. goes past people 1v1s. Yeah. Wingers nowadays, they're afraid to do it because they'll they'll lose possession or they'll lose them stats and they'll lose them, you know, one to one ratios. Get past a bloody player with the ball. You're a winger. He's Can excited. You imagine Robert and Duff being like that. Yeah. He's got the potential to be that kind of winger. Yeah. Yeah. He showed that for the England under twenty ones the other day, didn't yes. he? Come on, got a goal, got two assists in like ten minutes. It's, um, he did yeah, well against like West him. Ham at, at, yeah. at their at their shithole. There, that's a yeah. terrible ground, horrible ground at West Ham. But he did well there, and uh, you know, it's, it shouldn't be all doom and gloom. I know Potter's gone, and a lot of people are excited that you know, depending on who we could get, we've got some bloody good players. Yeah. Really, really good players at that club. I know there's some that have stagnated and they, some that need to leave. If we can sort out that core players and mould them into a winning side, 
We have got a dangerous team, Mark. I really do believe that. I do also think, I will want to put that out there because I probably will say this a lot between now and the end of the season, I do think we need a new goalkeeper as well. Yeah, yeah. I think we need a top, top goalkeeper. I think Mendy's gone mentally. Yeah. And I don't think he's, I don't think we're going to get the best out of him now. As for Kepa, thank you for your service, but you need to go. I think if you could mould the two, I think Mendy's a better goalkeeper, but Kepa's better with the ball at his feet. Hmm. Whereas Mendy's horrendous with the ball at his feet, obviously leads away. Oh. But if you could have a blend of the two of them, you've got a top goalkeeper. But yeah, I, there's 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 always going to be with Kepa that moment, at least once in a game where you go, oh, like, and you you don't really have even obviously sort of Allison Tuesday night, he just had that sort of he has made mistakes, but he had that aura about him where he does just enough. Um, and yeah, I, I think a goalkeeper. I mean, the only one that's interesting. I mean, I think he's burnt his bridges, but like for the team that's been built around to go and create chances for a centre forward, you got a ninety-six million pound centre forward sat in Italy at the minute, who <laughs> like at some point is going to come back. Um, and I, I don't know, maybe under a different manager. I mean, in terms of the fans, I don't know. I don't know if there's any any coming back from that. He but... scores a hat trick against Tottenham. The fans will forgive him. Yeah, <laughs> guarantee yeah. it. If we've got someone like Conte or Mourinho coming back, I think Lukaku will be part of the team. Yeah, because those chances it... that are created, he scores. Inter, Inter haven't got the money to keep him. They want to yeah. try and get another loan deal. Lukaku, I probably it seems he wants to stay in Inter. Or he might want to stay in Italy. Depending on who the manager is, I'd have him back. Yeah. Because again, who have you got as a centre forward? Things didn't work out with Tuchel. You partly could read between the lines as to know why. He's under another manager. It's not the same team. Yeah. It's not the same team as what Lukaku had last season whereby he's had to try and work with Werner, who, bless him, tried, but couldn't, couldn't hit a barn door wide open. R- really good player, liked him, just struggled. I still see a player in Lukaku. And it'll be interesting what happens in the summer. Because, again, who's going who, who's gonna to buy him? Yeah. Yeah, and who can afford to buy him? Like, you know, if Chelsea are looking at the likes of Osimhen or Vlavic... You're looking at hundred million plus, and you've got a hundred million pound centre forward there in Ossiman, Italy. Osiman coming in, trading with Lukaku with with a few million quid in between, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, because you get that Kepa way as well. Ain't it? It? Give yeah. him a goalkeeper as well. Give him give him Kepa yeah. and Lukaku. We'll have Osiman. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a fascinating summer. No no doubt about it. It's, you know, it's, it's not gonna be a quiet preseason, that's for sure. But I I will be there against Brighton. I'm fortunately not there against Wolves. I'm I'm fortunately up at work, but I will be there against Brighton. I'm ex- no matter what the result is for me. I'm expecting the atmosphere to be much much better. I'm expecting the fans. At least a chant carefree 
you know, as they didn't chant it at all against Aston Villa. That's what was quite um, staggering as well. And let's just enjoy it. And again, I was saying to this to a few people, Mark, I'm not bothered where we finish now. Couldn't, could not care. If we get battered yeah. against Real Madrid, fine. Madrid would have deserved it. I'm going to go to the bridge. I'm now going to enjoy watching Chelsea again. I haven't enjoyed watching Chelsea for the last 15, 16 months. Yeah. And against Brighton yeah. now, I'm going to enjoy it. So I'm yeah. hoping there'll be other fans that are going to be like that. And again, if the atmosphere is going to be electric to the point where fans are going to be chanting for Lampard's name, they're going to be chanting for Wise's name, they're going to be chanting for Matthew Arden, whoever. They might even chant for Ken Bates, you never know. The fan, <laughs> the, the players are going to be up for it so much. Yeah. So hopefully. Yeah, it's... Like you said, obviously, just I think this season we're in April now, and maybe bar Dortmund in the second leg, there's not really been a game where, and and Milan in the group stages, but there's not really been a game where everyone's really come out the ground with a massive beaming grin on their face and gone, yeah. I've enjoyed that ninety minutes. Yeah, but, Dortmund was superb. That was an unbelievable yeah. night. Yeah. Yeah, and that hasn't really happened too many times this season. And like no. you said, if he can get that against Brighton and we're still in the tie for the second leg against Real Madrid, that atmosphere will be incredible. Yeah. And it but, could be another famous night at the bridge, hopefully. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully. But it'll be interesting. Last point, Mark, before we do wrap this up. Yeah. Just for clarity, your pick to be the Chelsea manager come the end of the season. Enrique. And <laughs> are we are we still in the tie against Real Madrid after the first leg come Tuesday? If you if you uh if if you said we could take a nil nil draw, I like absolutely. Um it's just just gotta keep Benzema quiet. Um, keep and Modric. him quiet. And yeah, Modric, yeah, yeah. And I think having can having Kante back has maybe swung it slightly back in our favour. Um, because I I think we've got a Rolls Royce of a centre midfielder in Enzo Fernandez. If if there's anything positive this season, he has been a massive upgrade on Jorginho. Like I love watching him play, and. To see well, him, Enzo's not a defensive midfielder. That has already no. been established with, since he's turned up. He's a very good player, and I don't think we've seen the best. Of, we certainly have not seen the best of him. I think he can get so much better in his own self. He's only a young boy as well. He's got another ten years potentially left at the top level. Yeah, he could be one hell of a player that you yeah. can mould a team around. Yeah. Yeah, and I think having him and Kante in midfield at the Bernabeu gives us a much better chance. Stronger um, midfield, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, it lets him go and play, and if we can catch him on the break, he's got. He's proven he's got an eye for a pass. Um, oh, well, he but, has shown that, yeah. Yeah, it's a uh, bit interesting. Though. Obviously, Hazard's coming back, Rudiger's coming back. Courtois, obviously, again, 
like Ancelotti and Ancelotti, a, yes, Ancelotti. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of connections between our clubs, and obviously it's the third third season in a row that we've had them on it. Yep. So yeah, it'll be it'll be it'll be interesting. It's gonna it's not gonna be a boring end to the season. I guarantee that, yeah. and it's hopefully gonna be a joyous one. No matter what's gonna happen with Frank, it's great to have him back. Let's hope there's going to be a decent atmosphere, even against Wolves on Saturday, which I know there probably will be. There has been a hundred odd people that I know through uh, WhatsApp ticket groups asking about Wolves tickets now, which is kind of funny. But good luck to those that are going. Enjoy it. And yeah, 15th of March, uh, sorry, 15th of April against Brighton. I, I, I can't wait. It's going to be great. But Hope, hopefully we'll see you there, Mark, as well. Just one final point, as I said before we let you go. How's the Chelsea amputee team getting on so far? Yeah, good. We're um, we're back at Cobham tomorrow morning. Um, and then next lot of fixtures are 22nd of April uh, against Portsmouth and Everton. Um, Portsmouth is the one that we've been rubbing our hands together for a couple of months now. That's the... <laughs> That's the fixture that I have been looking out for. Um, they, to their credit, obviously amputee football. They're the they're the sort of they're the team to beat. They're the sort of the the best team at the minute. They won everything last season. We always previously, obviously, when we were with Peter United, they're very um, they're very dirty, dirty games, and I I love it. <laughs> they watched us they watched us beat Everton last month um cuz and they said you know we we can't wait to play you lads um so it's a mutual a mutual sort of right right thing and but i i take that as a compliment and a bit of a sign of respect that what we're building there's been a massive improvement from january to february february to march and then we've got a lot of the lads making the effort for tomorrow. Um, so, yeah, I'm just hoping I get, I get to play now because I've picked up an injury this week. So, um, yeah, I, I'm just going to have to pop some ibuprofen and hope Heal for Yeah. <laughs> Put some bubble wrap around you until the oh, 22nd wait. of April. Yeah. But, <laughs> no, the lads are finishing the last lot of fixtures with that sort of hard fought win against Everton that the the buzz in the changing rooms afterwards was electric and I think there's uh you know we've got to go and prove now that that wasn't that wasn't just one good performance we've got to build on that now and you know what what better opportunity than to go against the team that won the league last season um but yeah we're the twenty second of April can't come round soon enough. I like, I cannot wait to see these lads take to the pitch against them. Um, so yeah, it's going to be that. That's where we get the opportunity to prove that we we have a lot of belief in ourselves this season. We, you know, we want to be the team that's winning all the trophies. Um, and e- each month, it feels like we we're edging closer towards that. Brilliant. Well, good luck. 
obviously we'll, we'll probably sp- we'll definitely speak before then anyway but um you guys are on instagram as well the chelsea amputee team you guys are on facebook as well so if there's anybody that is interested in amputee football find mark on there he's not hard to find he's a pussycat as well he's he, he doesn't bite he will speak to you about obviously the amputee football. Find them as well on on Facebook. And if if you're interested in going down to Cobham to participate in 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 the sessions, contact Mark as well. He'll obviously give you all the details as well. There's no doubt about that. But Mark, for a debut as the co-host, thank you so much for your time today. We will probably be speaking for many more hours about Chelsea Football Club between now <laughs> and the end of the season. But it's, it's going to be great. So thank you again for being part of the show today. Uh, my pleasure, mate. I've enjoyed it. Like, it's the one subject I could talk about all day. So, yeah, feel free to like rein me in, mate. No, no, you are you are very much welcome. And hopefully you guys as well who have listened and has watched us on YouTube has enjoyed us as well. I've been Keith Lawrence. He's been Mark Smith. Keep the blue flag flying, folks. Stay safe and carefree. Sports Social Podcast Network. $88 billion is just a number, but not when we use it for our community benefits plan. It can be used to help deliver the promise of an education. We'll empower young entrepreneurs through the creation of the Howard University and PNC National Center for Entrepreneurship. And uplift small businesses with access to the capital they need in order to grow. It's not just about dollars, it's about change. PNC, 